Homily twenty part two of Homilies on Ephesians by Saint John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily twenty part two five twenty eight. Even so ought husbands to love their own wives, saith he, as their own bodies. What again means this? To how much greater a similitude and stronger example has he come? and not only so but also to one how much nearer and clearer and to a fresh obligation for that other one was of no very constraining force for he was christ and was god and gave himself he now manages his argument on a different ground saying so ought men because the thing is not a favour but a debt then as their own bodies and why Verse 29. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. That is, tends it with exceeding care. And how is she his flesh? Hearken. This now is bone of my bones, saith Adam, and flesh of my flesh. For she is made of matter taken from us. And not only so, but also, they shall be saith god one flesh even as christ also the church here he returns to the former example verse thirty because we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones verse thirty one for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the twain shall become one flesh behold again a third ground of obligation for he shows that a man leaving them that begat him and from whom he was born is knit to his wife and that then the one flesh is father and mother and the child from the substance of the two commingled for indeed by the commingling of their seeds is the child produced so that the three are one flesh thus then are we in relation to christ we become one flesh by participation and we much more than the child and why and how so because so it has been from the beginning tell me not that such and such things are so seest thou not that we have in our own flesh itself many defects for one man for instance is lame another has his feet distorted another his hands withered another some other member weak and yet nevertheless he does not grieve at it nor cut it off but oftentimes prefers it even to the other naturally enough for it is part of himself as great love as each entertains towards himself so great he would have us entertain towards a wife not because we partake of the same nature no this ground of duty towards a wife is far greater than that it is that there are not two bodies but one he the head she the body and how saith he elsewhere and the head of christ is god this i too say that as we are one body so also are christ and the father one and thus then is the father also found to be our head he sets down two examples that of the natural body and that of christ's body and hence he further adds 
Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak in regard of Christ and of the Church. Why does he call it a great mystery? That it was something great and wonderful, the blessed Moses, or rather God, intimated. For the present, however, saith he, I speak regarding Christ, that having left the Father, he came down, and came to the bride, and became one spirit. For he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And well, saith he, it is a great mystery. And then as though he were saying, but still, nevertheless, the allegory does not destroy affection, he adds. Verse 33. Nevertheless, do ye also severally love each one his own wife even as himself? And let the wife see that she fear her husband. For indeed, in very deed, a mystery it is, yea, a great mystery, that a man should leave him that gave him being, him that begat him, and that brought him up, and her that travailed with him, and had sorrow, those that have bestowed upon him so many and great benefits, those with whom he has been in familiar intercourse, and be joined to one who was never even seen by him, and who has nothing in common with him, and should honor her before all others. A mystery it is indeed. And yet are parents not distressed when these events take place, but rather when they do not take place, and are delighted when their wealth is spent and lavished upon it. A great mystery indeed, and one that contains some hidden wisdom. Such Moses prophetically showed it to be from the very first. Such now also Paul proclaims it, where he saith, Concerning Christ and the Church. However, not for the husband's sake alone it is thus said, but for the wife's sake also, that he cherish her as his own flesh, as Christ also the church, and that the wife fear her husband. He is no longer setting down the duties of love only, but what? That she fear her husband. The wife is second authority. Let not her then demand equality for she is under the head. Nor let him despise her as being in subjection, for she is the body. And if the head despise the body, it will itself also perish. But let him bring in love on his part as a counterpoise to obedience on her part. For example, let the hands and the feet and all the rest of the members be given up for service to the head. But let the head provide for the body, seeing it contains every sense in itself. Nothing can be better than this union. And yet how can there ever be love, one may say, where there is fear? It will exist there, I say, preeminently. For she that fears and reverences loves also. And she that loves fears and reverences him as being the head and loves him as being a member, since the head itself is a member of the body at large. Hence he places the one in subjection, and the other in authority, that there may be peace. For where there is equal authority there can never be peace. Neither where a house is a democracy, nor where all are rulers. But the ruling power must of necessity be one. 
and this is universally the case with matters referring to the body inasmuch as when men are spiritual there will be peace there were five thousand souls and not one of them said that aught of the things which he possessed was his own but they were subject one to another an indication this of wisdom and of the fear of god the principle of love however he explains that of fear he does not and mark how on that of love he enlarges stating the arguments relating to christ and those relating to one's own flesh the words for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother whereas upon those drawn from fear he forbears to enlarge and why so because he would rather that this principle prevail this namely of love for where this exists everything else follows of course but where the other exists not necessarily for the man who loves his wife even though she be not a very obedient one will still bear with everything so difficult and impracticable is unanimity where persons are not bound together by that love which is found in supreme authority at all events fear will not necessarily affect this accordingly he dwells the more upon this which is the strong tie and the wife though seeming to be the loser and that she was charged to fear is the gainer because the principal duty love is charged upon the husband but what one may say if a wife reverence me not never mind thou art to love fulfil thine own duty for though that which is due from others may not follow we ought of course to do our duty this is an example of what i mean he says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of christ and what then if another submit not himself still obey thou the law of god just so i say is it also here let the wife at least though she be not loved still reverence notwithstanding that nothing may lie at her door and let the husband though his wife reverence him not still show her love notwithstanding that he himself be not wanting in any point for each has received his own this then is marriage when it takes place according to christ spiritual marriage and spiritual birth not of blood nor of travail nor of the will of the flesh such was the birth of christ not of blood nor of travail such also was that of isaac hear how the scripture saith and it ceased to be with sarah after the manner of women yea a marriage it is not of passion nor of the flesh but wholly spiritual the soul being united to god by a union unspeakable and which he alone knoweth therefore he saith he that is joined unto the lord is one spirit mark how earnestly he endeavours to unite both flesh with flesh and spirit with spirit and where are the heretics never surely if marriage were a thing to be condemned would he have called christ and the church a bride and bridegroom never would he have brought forward by way of exhortation the words 
a man shall leave his father and his mother and again have added that it was spoken in regard of christ and of the church for of her it is that the psalmist also saith hearken o daughter and consider and incline thine ear forget also thine own people and thy father's house so shall the king desire thy beauty therefore also christ saith i came out from the father and am come but when i say that he left the father imagine not such a thing as happens among men a change of place for just in the same way as the word go forth is used not because he literally came forth but because of his incarnation so also is the expression he left the father now why did he not say of the wife also she shall be joined unto her husband why i say is this because he was discoursing concerning love and was discoursing to the husband for to her indeed he discourses concerning reverence and says the husband is the head of the wife and again christ is the head of the church whereas to him he discourses concerning love and commits to him this province of love and declares to him that which pertains to love thus binding him and cementing him to her for the man that leaves his father for the sake of his wife and then again leaves this very wife herself and abandons her what forbearance can he deserve seest thou not how great a share of honour god would have her enjoy in that he hath taken thee away from thy father and hath linked thee to her what then a man may say if our duty is done and yet she does not follow the example yet if the unbelieving departeth let him depart the brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases however when thou hearest of fear demand that fear which becomes a free woman not as though thou wert exacting it of a slave for she is thine own body and if thou do this thou reproachest thyself in dishonouring thine own body and of what nature is this fear it is the not contradicting the not rebelling the not being fond of the preeminence it is enough that fear be kept within these bounds but if thou love as thou art commanded thou wilt make it yet greater or rather it will not be any longer by fear that thou wilt be doing this but love itself will have its effect the sex is somehow weaker and needs much support much condescension but what will they say who are knit together in second marriages i speak not at all in condemnation of them god forbid for the apostle himself permits them though indeed by way of condescension supply her with everything do everything and endure trouble for her sake necessity is laid upon thee here he does not think it right to introduce his counsel as he in many cases does with examples from them that are without that of christ so great and forcible were alone enough and more especially as regards the argument of subjection a man shall leave he saith 
his father and mother behold this then is from without but he does not say and shall dwell with but shall cleave unto thus showing the closeness of the union and the fervent love nay he is not content with this but further by what he adds he explains the subjection in such a way as that the twain appear no longer twain he does not say one spirit he does not say one soul for that is manifest and is possible to any one but so as to be one flesh she is a second authority possessing indeed an authority and a considerable equality of dignity but at the same time the husband has somewhat of superiority in this consists most chiefly the well-being of the house for he took that former argument the example of christ to show that we ought not only to love but also to govern that she may be saith he holy and without blemish but the word flesh has reference to love and the word shall cleave has in like manner reference to love for if thou shalt make her holy and without blemish everything else will follow seek the things which are of god and those which are of man will follow readily enough govern thy wife and thus will the whole house be in harmony hear what paul saith and if they would learn anything let them ask their own husbands at home if we thus regulate our own houses we shall be also fit for the management of the church for indeed a house is a little church thus it is possible for us by becoming good husbands and wives to surpass all others consider abraham and sarah and isaac and the three hundred and eighteen born in his house how the whole house was harmoniously knit together how the whole was full of piety and fulfilled the apostolic injunction she also reverenced her husband for hear her own words it hath not yet happened unto me even until now and my lord is old also and he again so loved her that in all things he obeyed her commands and the young child was virtuous and the servants born in the house they too were so excellent that they refused not even to hazard their lives with their master they delayed not nor asked the reason nay one of them the chief was so admirable that he was even entrusted with the marriage of the only begotten child and with a journey into a foreign country for just as with a general when his soldiery also is well organized the enemy has no quarter to attack so i say is it also here when husband and wife and children and servants are all interested in the same things great is the harmony of the house since where this is not the case the whole is oftentimes overthrown and broken up by one bad servant and that single one will often mar and utterly destroy the whole end of homily twenty part two